Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Most Reverend Tan Yen, who is the auxiliary bishop, one of two auxiliary bishops for the Diocese of Orange. Bishop, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here with you, share whatever the experience that uh, we are going through. And if you would be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer, I'm sure all of us would be very thankful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, you are the source of all blessing. We thank you for the gift of Easter season that we are celebrating at this time. This is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. We ask you to continue to bless us with the peace that you have given to the uh, disciple on Easter Sunday so that we can go through this time, the challenging time that causes a lot of fear within us. May we have that peace in our life and uh, grant us the peace that, um, in whatever we, we do in order to share that gift of peace to the people. We ask you this through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Father and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. amen. Now, first of all, again, I am so glad that you're here, Bishop Tan. You share bishop responsibilities with Bishop Timothy Fryer, who both of you then work for the big boss, uh, Bishop Chip Kevin Van, yeah. who's what we would call the ordinary of the diocese. He's the one Correct. that's in charge. So without going into great detail, there's three of you. I know that Monsignor Stephen Doktorsik also shares in some of the responsibilities as the vicar general. How do you all divide up the diocese? And then my big question is, within what you've been given to do, how has it been to be in Lent and then Easter and then looking forward to Pentecost? What is it you do, Bishop? Well, uh, I just share with you what I planned, and then we go from there. You know, before the uh, coronavirus uh, visited us, that they had uh, many Lenten activity, the right of election to initiate our candidate and catechumen into what we call the scrutiny to prepare them for their sacrament of initiation at Easter Vigil. I plan to do several Lenten day of reflection uh, of parishes and school. Uh, school is one of my responsibilities that Bishop Van appointed me to do. And of course, that I plan to do a lot of sacrament of reconciliation in parishes in southern part of the diocese because uh, my residence is in St. Nicholas. So I plan to do the penance service in St. Nicholas, St. Killian, Santiago, the Compostela, San, uh, Francisco, Solano, and so on and so forth. And also with the help of the Restorative Justice Ministry, I plan to do the Good Friday in uh, Juvenile Hall or whatever uh, one of the jails that uh, in town that they uh, seem fit 
All right. Uh, and Holy Thursday in uh, St. Cecilia and Easter Visual at Our Lady of Lavang. And the Neocat community invited me to go to the Holy Land during the Easter week. Ticket already bought. But a funny thing happened on the way to all those plans. I know, <laughs> except the, the right of election and the day of reflection that uh, everything will cancel. Poof. All right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, cancel. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, very difficult for me at first being cut off from uh, the day-to-day experience, the activity, and so on and so forth. But we, the leadership team of the diocese, when I say the leadership team of the diocese, uh, consists of uh, Bishop, Bishop Van, Bishop Fryer, uh, and myself, and then the uh, Vicar General, uh, Monsignor Stephen, and then the Human Resource and Finance and all the youth ministry and then Catholic Charity and so on and so forth. And we had a conference meeting, Zoom meeting, every day for Monday through Friday. And so someday we add with the dinnery meeting and uh, other day we have meeting with pastors and, and business managers and then one day we have a meeting with the Californian uh, bishop. Good way, good way. Well, thank God for the technology. Well, the technology I'm sure has kept yeah. you in the know and in the the best that you can. And then and also from these uh, you meeting that we are able to help uh, the pastors and the principal uh, to run parishes and schools uh, during this challenging time and so on and so forth. So uh, thank God for that. And um, uh, in addition to that, I have had the uh, opportunity to say live stream Vietnamese masses for the Vietnamese community at the Vietnamese Catholic Center every Friday and every Sunday. Now, our diocese has a very large Vietnamese population. How are you serving that community during this time of shutdown, during this time of, of isolation? Is it different than trying to reach out to other groups? Well, here in our diocese, that this is the largest Vietnamese community outside of Vietnam. Wow. We have about 80,000 of Vietnamese Catholic out of 400,000 Vietnamese here in the Diocese of Orange. Um, How do I serve them? Uh, I follow the vision of Bishop Van to help out the ministry here in the diocese, and certainly Vietnamese community is part of the the diocesan uh, ministry. There's many, many ways that I can, can, can work with the Vietnamese community. I can and then go with the school, with the parish. Uh, the pastor invite me to, to come to, to say mass and to give a talk, day of reflection, and so on and so forth. For this Lenten season, like I said, I had uh, the live stream Vietnamese mass at the Vietnamese Catholic Center every Friday and every Sunday, including the Holy Week and try uh-huh. to, to preach uh, the message related to where we are and what we are facing at this time. So you're providing a resource to 80,000 Catholic Vietnamese that are out there, plus wherever anybody else throughout the country may want to live stream that. And I assume that there are other Vietnamese communities that are going to find your live streams to be important and helpful. I believe so because uh, Father Vincent Hung is the director of the Vietnamese Catholic Center. He told me that there were more than 
12,000 viewers wow. on Easter visual. Wow. And so certainly that uh, broadcast throughout the United States, maybe in other countries as well. And so, yes, uh, uh, the live stream mass seemed to be effective in that way. Now, I've talked with other Vietnamese priests from our diocese, a, a new one not long ago, and we were discussing how difficult it can be in Vietnam or how difficult it used to be in Vietnam, especially in North Vietnam, for Catholics, in that when they come to the United States, it's a whole different experience. Yet still, there are immense struggles for a community. How during the time of Lent has it been unique or important for the Vietnamese community to experience that struggle and yet that hope that Lent has brought. You went through a time here where we've been shut down, we've been isolated. In many ways, I think that's some ways that a lot of non-majority communities feel when they can come here. Well, you know, the Vietnamese Catholics are very strongly connected to the church, and they wanted to get involved. And Holy Week, Lenten season, lots of activity that uh, the Vietnamese Catholic community wanted to do, and they wanted to get involved, especially the Holy Triduum, but now being cut off, very, very difficult uh, for them. The church were, were closed and not accessible to the spiritual uh, daily nourishment for their faith journey. But because of their experience in the past, I can share with you a little bit about my reflection during this time. You know, being cut off from the community like a lockdown, stay-home order. I had the image of being with my family member, 26 people, on the bow, being locked out in that bow, small bow, 6 foot wide and 28 foot long, surrounded by only ocean water and the sky above. Wow. All right. And so... How long were you on that We were 18 days on that trip. And the first four days, wide, yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah, and twenty to twenty six people, so not quite six foot social distancing no. that we have here. But but you know because we are facing with the storm, all right, and then because of the storm that our engine stopped working, and then on the eighth day we ran out of food and drink. And so even the internal struggle within that boat that some want to go back to Vietnam and some want to move on, thank God that my dad was a navigator who determined <laughs> to go on, not to go back to Vietnam. Wow. But the question is, what is the key for us to survive, to be together, and then to re- reach one of the Philippine shore Pangasinang Sepli on August the 3rd, 1979. The key is prayer because every morning, every evening we have prayer and rosary included. And I believe that through the intercession of our Blessed Mother and then God protection that we have ran three times in that 10 day that we don't have food and drink. And each time we have one a cup of rainwater and we survive. And I believe that God has led us simply to the Philippine shore. But that comes from prayer. And I believe that is what we need at this lockdown time. 
being cut off from many activities, especially the church will close and so on and so forth. We are impossible to do those kind of things, but God can do. And so trust in God and stay connected with him without prayer. What a Lenten story. Oh, my. So the brief time that we've been shut down, surrounded by our households with the ability to go to the grocery store and having all the water that we want, compare that to not only your story, but many other boat people's stories of being for weeks out on the water with no food, no water, rainwater to survive. And perhaps there's an inspiration there focused on prayer, that whether we're in our houses today trying to stay away from a virus or we are in a boat on the sea trying to find a freer life where we can worship God the way that we wish, it's all about prayer. Yeah, I think this is a wonderful time to get back to the essence of our Catholicism, our Catholic faith. You are, you know, we are influenced by the secular society. And because of this secular society that we tend to push God on the sideline. And we follow money, we follow uh, honor and then power and so on and so forth. But money and power, even uh, coronavirus is not uh, the uh, uh, in charge. God is in charge, and we need to get back to God. And I think prayer, we get connected with God again, and that is a wonderful time for us to, to have that kind of conversion, to, to go back to the essence of our Catholic faith. I can't think of a better way to encapsulate this very unique year of Lent When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how Easter brings hope and has brought hope to our community, despite the fact that we're still shut down. We are talking with Most Reverend Han Yen, the Auxiliary Bishop in the Diocese of Orange. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this Easter season and about how we who are at home, who are struggling through this time of isolation, perhaps can be inspired a little bit more about our Catholic faith. Stick around for Bishop, and we'll be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California. And with me today is Most Reverend Tan Nguyen, who is the Auxiliary Bishop here in the Diocese of Orange, working with... Uh, Reverend Timothy Fryer, and all of them working for our beloved Bishop Kevin Van. And together, they form a triad of bishops, along with other leaders, such as Monsignor uh, Doktorsik, who lead this diocese, a very big and, uh, gosh, it's a very complex diocese. And we were talking about how this diocese has gone through a very trying time during Lent, where we thought we were giving up maybe chocolate or candy for Lent, and God said, no, 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 you're giving up your visits to church and your reception of communion. That's what you're giving up for Lent. Learn to appreciate it more. And as Bishop so wonderfully put in his story about coming to the Philippines in a boat that was only six foot wide, the power of prayer is what brought him through then, and is the power of prayer that has brought us through Lent. 
We're now in Easter season, and we've had a fantastic opportunity this Easter to appreciate more what it is we've not been able to have. Bishop, what's it been like to celebrate Easter in times like this, where you are separated from your community so much, it's hard to get out to see the people, and the people can't really come to see you. What's that been like for you? Well, you know, uh, what it come to my mind that I heard a lot of people telling me in these days that Bishop Tan, I am afraid. I am afraid. And so fear is what we commonly experience in this uh, challenging time. And I believe that the disciples were fearful after Jesus died on the cross. And we heard from the scripture saying that they were in the locked door. But the reason Christ moved in and gave them the Holy Spirit and gave them the courage, and so they were converted. And with that kind of courage, they go out and proclaim the good news. And I think that is the hope that we have during this Easter season. I am reminded the first words of St. Pope John Paul II, right after he was being elected Pope, and he spoke to the people in St. Peter's Square, be not afraid. And he carried that message throughout his papacy, remarkably on his first trip to his homeland on the Feast of Pentecost. And on one of the, during one of the um, homily that he preached in uh, Krakow, there were one million Poles attending. And in that homily, they were chanting, we want God, we want God, we want God. And they chant for five minutes, and after the chanting subsided, Pope John Paul II looked straight to the communist officer and said, Do you hear that? <laughs> and that is the beginning of the collapse. That's of, the beginning of the end. Uh, yeah, the, the communist uh, block. And so he carried that throughout his papacy. And again, until the end, I remember that uh, he visited the United States, I believe it's St. Louis, Missouri, and he was saying mass with his Parkinson, and his hand was shaking like crazy, and one of the media, media person uh, came to him and said, uh, Holy Father, you are in that kind of weak condition of Parkinson, and where do you find strength to do what you are doing? In one word, Pope John Paul II answer, prayer. And so prayer is what we need to give us the courage, uh, like Pope John Paul II and like the disciples in uh, the past, to continue on in order to overcome all those fear in our life, in order to preach the good news, even in this challenging time. One of the bitterest pills to swallow has been our inability to come to Mass. And we were talking not long ago with uh, Bishop Van about how hard a decision that was, but how right a decision that was. Because while we love the communion, 
It's the church as the body of Christ that receives communion. We all receive communion with the entire body of Christ every time Mass is celebrated. We're not really going without as long as we're part of the body of Christ. And our love for the commu- for communion cannot become selfish at the risk of other people. Here was a man who, when he was in his 50s and 60s, was in a wheelchair and was willing to be photographed and seen, head-dipped, even drooling, because life was so precious. This was a man who talked about a culture of death and the need for a culture of life. Here we have an opportunity, as a resurrection people, to make a stand for life that this sacrifice during this time of Lent and Easter and even into Pentecost, where we sacrifice our reception of Eucharist, we are saving lives. What has this time been like to minister to people who don't always understand that? Because I know there have been many who have not quite understood that, who have not been happy about the closing. What's it been like to deal with Easter and to deal with pain, anger, frustration in, in the people? Well, I think the we can use uh, the homily uh, in preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, the uh, bring the Easter message to the people to where they are at. Like on the uh, second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday, we heard the story of the um, reason Christ appeared among the apostles, but Thomas were, was not there. You know, I love this uh, story because that, that uh, my patron saint, Thomas, Thomas Tang Nguyen. Oh, I, I, I love him because he, I, I probably stopped him like, 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 like he is anyway, and, and doubt her. Uh, so uh, St. Thomas w- was not there, all right? And then uh, eight days later, that the reason Christ appeared to the apostle, including uh, St. Thomas, I preach about the wonderful sense of community. The community, even though consists of those people who are sinful, very much like St. Peter, the leader of the church, and yet uh, denied Jesus three times, and a lot of apostles running away from Jesus. And yet within that community that we have the risen Christ. Missing out the community is missing out Jesus so we need to bring back the value of uh, family uh, of the community but right now you are participating in live stream mass with your family you need to get back to your family life you know we walk we walk 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 and then we don't have time for uh, for family dinner here is the time for family sharing and that is a wonderful thing to get back to our essence in order to see the value or pray in our life and grow in our relationship with your parents, with your family, and uh, with with your brothers and sister. And I think from that, we will gain our faith, we will gain our strength in order to move on and have the strength in order to cope with uh, uh, this difficult time. We are warned in 1 Corinthians that we should only receive the body and blood of Christ directly when we are in a prepared and worthy state. And for the most part, we think of that as having gone to confession and not aware of mortal sin, that type of thing. But it's times like these where we're 
forced to reflect a little bit that I almost wonder if God isn't reminding us, almost with the silver lining of this, there's more to being worthy than just being free from sin. Do you truly appreciate what this is? And by going without it for a while, yet surrounded, as you said, by your family and having the opportunity to reflect on a spiritual communion, what it's like to be without and yet wanting it so much, maybe this is a time that God is giving us as a gift as well. Not that the circumstances are horrible to know that there are people who are sick and suffering, fighting for their lives and dying, and people who are grieving is horrible. But for the rest who are contemplating what it is to do without communion, what it is to long for communion, is this not a time that God is giving us to be able to embrace more deeply what it is to be called to that resurrection in ourselves? I do believe it. Like I said, it's very difficult for me at first to be in kind of lockdown experience, stay home order, being cut off from the community. Uh, but later on, I, I found myself in more time for praying, in addition to the daily mass that I celebrate and the breviary that uh, that I I need to do as priest as bishop. I am faithful ever since this uh, situation. Holy hour every day with the rosary, uh, as well as the station of the cross. And you know what? I haven't set the station of the cross. Uh, like this in my life because normally that during Lent I have station of the cross only on Friday, but now almost every day, every day I have station of the cross. <laughs> and some day that the people ask me to pray, I say one more, so two station of the cross a day. Wow! I think it's wonderful to to have this time in order to uh, to be with the uh, with the people. Uh, to to do the station of the cross, to get connected with Jesus without rush and then really, really deepen ourselves into the life of Jesus, getting close to, to him. I think that's wonderful because Jesus said that, I am the vine, you are the branches, and uh, without me you will not be productive, and with, with me uh, your life will produce more fruit and fruit that will last. And I think these times, connected with Jesus in our prayer life. Uh, I think that's that's good for our soul. We have been in, indeed graced in so many ways during this time where we've been given television like EWTN's material, radio like Relevant Radio, all of the live streaming that's been going on, the ability to go to websites and to join in the prayer of the church. Laudata Si has the hours of the day and the the prayers that even you as you as a priest as a as a bishop say every day that uh, the people are invited to also pray it's the prayer of the church to do the the uh, liturgy of the hours but as you're also saying the prayers that we've been doing during lent even the stations of the cross we normally think about that as a lenten activity no. there's a reminder jesus christ died for our sins that's what the resurrection is all about he rose from the dead and if that doesn't enhance our prayer, nothing will. I do grow in my saying mass, private mass, before a little bit art because there there are no community. You know, you say the Lord prayer, I do the Lord be with you, and and and, and nothing coming back, right. and I have to respond by myself. <laughs> but now with this situation, that I include the victims of the coronavirus. 
Uh, I include the doctors and the nurses who are trying to bring the healing message to these people. I include the scientists who fo- hope to find the vaccine in order to, to prevent this. Uh, and I include those people who struggle uh, with the unemployment uh, during this time and so on and so forth. So I can see them in that mass, even though only me physically. And so I have that kind of connection. And, 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 and I hope that you do uh, the same. It's not easy for the priest to say mass without the audience. All right. Uh, and I think it's very difficult for you to attend mass on the live stream. But I think maybe with faith that we are able to be connected in whatever way we do so that uh, we can journey together. When we come back, I want to continue this conversation about Easter season and how we can make the most of it, especially while we are isolated at home. We are talking with Reverend Tan Nguyen, who is Auxiliary Bishop for the Diocese of Orange, and we will be right back. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is the Most Reverend Tan Nguyen, who is Auxiliary Bishop for the Diocese of Orange. And we've been talking about these seasons while we have experienced them so uniquely this year at home, where Lent has been a unique experience and Easter continues to be a unique experience. We've talked about the struggles and prayer. We've talked about the transformation of the inner life and bringing our soul through prayer to Christ more completely during this season. But, Bishop, we still have to talk a little bit about the so what. It's good if I am brought to God, but I'm not an island unto myself. How do I make the most of Christ in me so that I can bring Christ to the people around me, especially while I'm isolated here at home? Before answering your question, that I'd like to share with you uh, one story from me when I studied theology with the uh, Jesuit in uh, Cambridge Western School of Theology. And at the end of the third year of the MDiv, I have to go through the comprehensive exam. Yes. And you had to go through the oral exam. The Jesuit wanted to have oral exam. And you go to the exam room uh, with your Bible, with your document of Vatican Council, but that's it. And then you don't know what do they ask you. And you know you, 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 you're scary and fearful to go in through that question. Be because, not afraid. <laughs> I know. The three professors who knew me very well yeah. for the past three years. So then. I just went through that a year ago and, for the uh, doctorate. So, <laughs> and, so, and so the question is, I said, Tan, we are in the Easter season. What is your understanding of resurrection? Oh, I think I thank God for that question because I can find it, the resurrection story at the end of the, every gospel. Don't and then, where and, it is. And look at Acts and then the Vatican Council uh, with the Lumen Gentium. And so I went move on. So the, to answer your question is, any Easter story always have commissioning. Jesus appeared to Magdalene. Go tell my disciple to see me in Galilee. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus go back to Jerusalem 
and share the experience to recognize Jesus in the breaking of the bread, and especially ascension coming up, that the messages go out to all the world and tell the good news, and I am with you always. All right. So, the Easter message for all of us as Catholics is to evangelize, is to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others. Now, you are locked down. The first place that you need to evangelize is right there in your family. This is the time that you need to share the gospel, to share the scripture, and then to evangelize to one another, especially to catechize our children about Jesus Christ, about his message, and about uh, the preaching of the good news of others. We're talking about the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And then we're talking about the church. Uh, is the Jesus established the church uh, through Peter. I give you the key, and you can open, you can close, and whatever you you erase, uh, you, you forgive, it will be forgiven, and so on and so forth. All those kind of things in the gospel, and we need to take this time to evangelize them right there in our midst. And I think this precious time would help us in order to grow in the practice of the faith and fulfill our duty in order to bring the good news to others. That's the first place that we need to evangelize. Maybe you can think of something else outside of your family. Maybe you're thinking about uh, your friend or your relatives that need uh, the kind of uh, phone call uh, or uh, Facebook page, face, yeah, uh, whatever to make connection, uh, or maybe you want to apologize because uh, there, 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 there's some offense that, that you 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 did in the past and you didn't have a chance to say I'm sorry and so on and so forth. I think the family life is very important right now. That uh, I'm reminded the three words that Pope Francis gave during the Holy Year of Family, and I love it. I preach that all the time, which means that you need to treat one another with these. Please, thank you, and I am sorry. You need to Please, practice that. Thank you, and I'm sorry. Yes, in, in 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 the family, and I think that's a wonderful way to evangelize in your family, to create that family as a community of love, and people can see you love one another, they can see Jesus Christ in your midst. People in the ra- who are on the radio can't see you right now, but the, the infectious smile on your face as you talk about this is something that strikes me. You really love being able to preach. You love being able to share Jesus Christ. And it's one of those things that just comes off of you, Bishop. I just want to make that observation. The reason I I bring that up, not just because I'm noticing that in you. I think a lot of us, when we go to church every week and we get up, we do our our weekly duty and we pay, pray, and obey, and we take our six-pack of grace and we go home, there's a routine that develops. And it's a very self-serving routine. It almost keeps us in our rut and we are safely caught in that rut so that we don't have to outreach. We don't have to get beyond our boundaries. We're now in a unique time where the routine has been disrupted. And 
it's time to reflect on what does it mean that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is willing to put all of the sins that you have on his cross. So he'll take that for you. What do you owe back? Well, you don't owe a routine, a rot. You owe your entire life back. And I think we forget that. How do you think this time of being away from our routine is being used by God to do just what you were saying, to evangelize the people around us? Do you, do you see that as a, not that God is, is doing this on purpose in a way, but God's doing this on purpose in a way. How do you, how do you see it? Well, you're talking about the evangelizing. You're talking about preaching the gospel. But what is the essence of the gospel? Certainly Jesus Christ. All right. All right. But I think the message is love. And he shared that message on the Holy Thursday as well as Good Friday and Easter Sunday. He knelt down and watched the disciple feet, and then he gave the mandatum. That's what they call Monday, Thursday. Mandatum. What is a mandatum? Serve one another as I serve you. Love one another as I love you. And love to the point that I sacrifice my life on the cross the next day on Good Friday. But God loves that he bring Jesus back to resurrection, to the new life. And so love is the essence. And you can evangelize in way of your loving relationship with others. I shared with you earlier about the loving relationship within the family. And so you can share that loving relationship with others out there. Maybe you can join some volunteer group in order to help out to the masses to donate to the people. Or maybe, you know, there's a lot of people lining up for food, food bank. I saw the TV the other day that the people who lined up for, for, for food. And so maybe if you, you can donate food uh, to the people. Uh, but do whatever it, it is in order to Bring the message of love to people. And in this challenging time, you can do a lot of things with that. And with that love, you are truly evangelizing. This is about being Christ to the people around us then. Jesus resurrected from the dead so that we would resurrect from our old selves into a new self and give that to the people around us. Even though we're on, quote, lockdown, unquote, we're still allowed to go volunteer I know that we've got many financial difficulties within our parishes, and for some people, they can no longer give as much. Other people, they just got out of the routine of giving. Please give your check, send it in, or or, or go to a, a website and give it. But our parishes also are having to furlough people, and not only do they need the money, but they could also use you coming in and mowing the lawn. They can use you coming in and, and helping paint whatever needs to be painted or to do things that don't necessarily put you in close proximity to other people. You're still in social distance, but you can also still help. There are ways for us to volunteer, to go to the food banks, to be able to serve others, to be able to bring things to others. Whether it's time, talent, or treasure, we still are asked to get out of our ruts. And this is a time for us to rethink what path we're on. And are we really in a routine, or are we on fire for Christ as new creations in the Spirit. 
Yeah, there's a lot of thing going on in the diocese right now. You probably don't know, uh, but like uh, I oversee the uh, restorative justice, and I got the report from Fred Pusa that uh, they trying to do the live stream mass for the prisoner, and then uh, the uh, Bible handout for the reflection and so on and so forth. I know the youth ministry is still doing the youth retreat for the teenager preparing for confirmation. All right. Yeah. I know this is the confirmation season, but because of lockdown and then social distancing. <laughs> and so we, we are not uh, doing the confirmation right now, but the youth ministry with the, with the Zoom meeting, conference call, uh, that they can, uh, catechize to help these kids to prepare for their confirmation. I know that the RCIA director, uh, still continue to help out the candidate, I mean, elects right now, you know, to prepare themselves. Hopefully, Pentecost coming up that we are able to do the Easter visual again if, in order if to, can, uh, to, help, to have them receiving the sacrament of initiation. There's a lot of things going on right now in order to evangelize, uh, to share our love uh, to others. I'm sure in your prayer and talk and share with your children, family members, you, uh, you will find out what you need to do. But the key is to carry this message of love to people among yourself first and then to go beyond. Because right now, Jesus is risen. He ascended into heaven. There's no hand but yours. There's no feet but yours. There's no mouth but yours. So you are it. You are Jesus' mouth, hands, and heart and mind. We are talking with Most Reverend Than Nien. And Than has... Uh, Bishop Tan has been sharing with us the hope of Easter following the reflection of Lent. When we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about the rebirth in the Spirit and what Pentecost is all about. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. We have had uh, the Most Reverend Tan Nguyen here talking uh, so openly about what it's been like for him and what inspirations he has for us as a people that he gets to serve in this time, these seasons of Lent and Easter, and now coming up, Pentecost. And as we're working with that, first of all, I want to say thank you, Bishop, for coming in. Well, thank you. With the opportunity. And I hope that we have you come back again. You have been a delight to have on, and you have been an inspiration. To have your presence here has truly been a blessing. I mentioned to the listening audience that you can't, those of you who are listening can't see what I get to see, but when Bishop gets <laughs> talking, the the infectious <laughs> nature of what he's saying comes out as he's smiling, and the eyes are dancing, and it's it's a wonder to, to hear what he's having to say. We were talking during the break briefly about what's coming up in Pentecost, and uh, there are a number of things that we still have yet to talk about. A couple of them have to do with the the Vietnamese community traditions themselves, Our Lady of Lavan and Mary. And during this time of May, this is a time to be thinking about it. We've just, by the time this airs, we will have been rededicating the uh, church in the United States, along with Canada, to Our Lady. 
Tell us a little bit about how the importance of Mary in this time of Pentecost coming and the birth of the church. Well, Mary has been part of the church from the very, very beginning. And if you study the scripture, from before. the story <laughs> of the Cana wedding, yes. that uh, Mary was there to intercede for the family of the newly uh, couple who ran out of uh, wine. And she came to Jesus and, and asked Jesus to help. Uh, and then told the servants, do whatever Jesus tells you. And then Mary was at the foot of the cross. And then Jesus said to John, John is a representative of the church, and so this is your mother. So mother is strongly connected to the Catholic Church, to the community from the very beginning, and not counting the Pentecost that Mary was there when the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostle. So Mary has been with us. Mary has been journeying with humanity ever since. And you heard a lot of story of apparition, Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Lazaret, Our Lady of Fatima, and certainly in Vietnam we have Our Lady of Lavang to speak of her concern, her love for us here. Somehow we are straying off from what we're supposed to do. And she appeared in order to help us back to where it is. But now the challenging time that we definitely need Mary, and that's why the Bishop of the United States re-consecrate our country to Mary those of us who know many of the stories of Mary, often we have our favorites from our own country. My family's background is Irish, so Our Lady of Knock is important. Uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, as you mentioned, is so very important. People know that story. What is the story behind uh, the Vietnamese apparition of Mary, Our Lady of uh, Labang? The story of Our Lady Labang is taking place at the end of 18th century, during the Christian persecution, the kings uh, in those days persecute all the Christians. And then the Christian left and to uh, go to the forest, to the jungle, in order to escape the persecution. And in the midst of struggling with hunger and thirst uh, and, and illness, that Our Lady appeared to them and wow. consoled them and tell them to eat one of the leaves around there as, as the kind of uh, healing and the source of uh, food and nourishment for them. And they survive and they tell the story. All right. Wow. But Mary has been part of the Vietnamese Catholic community. That's a great story, a long, though. A <laughs> uh, long, long time. Yeah. And so... We had, uh, like you heard my story, that my, my mom and dad always have the morning prayer and evening prayer, including rosary every day. Uh, every parish, Catholic parish in Vietnam, we have the Marian procession every May and October and so on and so forth. 
And I'm sure the Vietnamese community here in the United States are very happy to have the Our Lady of Lavang Shrine here in the, in the Cathedral Campus of the Diocese of Orleans as a way to give thanks to Mary, our Blessed Mother, who interceded for them in the past. A lot of people received blessing from her through the time in reconcentration camp or escape Vietnam by boat like me. Uh, all coming to the United States and starting a new life. And so here, Our Lady of Lavang is a way for the Vietnamese community you know, to say thanks to God through the intercession of our Blessed Mother and hope in order to, to get together in order to do the Marian devotion. I believe this is a wonderful way to evangelize too. So then let's talk about that. What are some of the things that you would recommend those who have not had much of a relationship with Mary before. I think there's a number of Catholics who are out there listening, many who have been away from the church, many who have only recently with the virus now here and rethinking their lives and rethinking what it is to live and what it is to die. Many people are asking questions. And What would be the first steps of coming back to Christ through Mary? Well, uh, I think the... The rosary is is a wonderful way in order to enhance your prayer. We're talking about prayer, very important to get connected with God, with Jesus, with the community. And rosary is one way to pray. Why don't you start to to, to learn to, to say the rosary? Uh, very easy. The Lord's Prayer, Hail Mary, and glory be, all right? Uh, and you can ask the people who, who know that, and then you have the, the rosary bead in order to say, and you can pray everywhere. I, I say uh, rosary maybe three, four times a day. Uh, and, uh, uh, and, and, and so when you do that, little by little, then I think that the Lord will touch you in somehow in order to get to know to, to, to know God and then to know Mary and, and to grow in your relationship with God and with one another. Um, simple as that. When I was converting to the Catholic faith, and I don't know how to say this without it sounding crass, but I thought the rosary was very sneaky because it starts off very simple and then you realize there's meditations that go along with it. And then you start having these mysteries that go along with it. And pretty soon you're saying this rosary, but you're thinking about these different vignettes in your mind about what's going on with Jesus. And and all of the gospel begins to become part of your prayer life. So sneaky is the wrong term, but it's like a very sly way of, of, <clears throat> of wedging in so much of Catholic faith in through the prayer life. The rosary is such a wonderful thing. Along with that, I don't know you've been in Lourdes. I haven't had but the privilege. But if you've been in Lourdes, then you will know that there's something very spiritual about Marian procession and saying rosary. I would invite you to come to Lourdes if you are able to do. But, uh, yeah, uh, you, said, uh, you said it right. I think when you say the rosary... At first, you, you, you pray. Someone asks you to pray. I said, well, I'm going to say a rosary for you. You pray for that person. But little by little that you, you learn to meditate upon the, um, even the Lord's Prayer. That the Lord's Prayer is it, it, it's in the gospel or in the Jesus teaching. That Hail Mary and glory be and so on and so forth. Uh, and if you, you are meditative, I'm sure that just the Lord, just our Father, 
and then you can think it, wow, we are all have one Father in heaven. God created all of us in His own image. So we are His children, then we need to love one another in the community and family. Just just that. Uh, and certainly the, uh, the joyful mystery, the sorrowful mystery, glorious mystery, and, and the life mystery, and so on and so forth. That's uh, rich in meditation and certainly connected to the gospel very well. Do you realize we've spent the entire hour? And in doing so, we've come all the way full circle back to Jesus Christ in the rosary through Mary, having gone through the our, our Lent and what it has been to suffer for our prayer life, for our individual conversion, for our outreach, and for our embrace of Christ and Mary. Bishop, thank you so very, very much for sharing this time thank with us. Thank you for the opportunity in order to talk about our spiritual journey. Would you please lead us in a word of prayer and imparting of your blessing? Before I say a prayer, I like the, the image of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, there are two disciples, hopeless, helpless, but they share. They were on the road together, and Jesus in their in their midst. And then finally, they recognize in the breaking of the bread. And so I come up with this Amos, uh, Emmaus prayer, and I share with you to end our talk today. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Lord. As we walk down the journey of life, we ask that you would be our constant companion, particularly on those days when we are disheartened or when we have strayed off of your path. When we are downcast, we ask that you lift our spirit. When we are confused, we ask that you enlighten our minds. When we are disappointed, we ask that you give us hope. You, Lord, have blessed us with your gospel. Open our minds and our hearts to receive your word and send your Holy Spirit to give us understanding. May your teaching take root in our lives and guide us in your ways. While we have faith in you, Lord, we also have our moments of doubt. We ask that you would deepen our faith so that we dedicate it to you. We would give bolder witness and freely and gladly give generous service. You gently ask us to invite you into our hearts and homes with a spirit of welcome and humility. We invite you to dwell with us always. We offer our praise and thanks for the many ways that you feed us and provide for our many needs. Keep us closely connected to our brothers and sisters in faith. Help us to see others with the eyes of love. Fill us with your compassion. May we walk tirelessly to foster a relationship in our community, built on the foundations of truth, mutual respect, cooperation, and trust. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Once again, thank you, Bishop uh, Tan Yen, for being here and sharing with us. You've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. If you'd like to share this or hear it again, 
You can go to OCCatholic.com and go to the radio tab and find Orange County Catholic Radio. Again, you have been listening to uh, Most Reverend Tan Yen. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.